good Sunday morning. Today we are into chapter 15 of Matthew on our study of Matthew this year. And I'll be reading Matthew 15 verses 21 through 28. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Some years ago, when he was still known as Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, the man who became Pope Benedict the 16th ignited a firestorm of discussion when he issued the declaration Dominus Asus, or the Lord Jesus. This document, which received the endorsement of Pope John Paul II, reaffirmed the doctrine that salvation comes only through Jesus. That central thesis did not receive much press, however. Instead, the section which grabbed the attention of so many was the part which dealt with the church. If only Jesus saves, where can you meet this Savior? Jesus is encountered through the church, which proclaims the gospel. But to the great disgruntle of many, Ratzinger refused to call any group outside Roman Catholicism a church. Instead, opting to call non-Catholic denominations only ecclesiastical, ecclesial communities. There is just one true church, Ratzinger claimed, and it's the one headed up by the Pope in Rome. Other groups of Christians are not churches in the proper sense. The closer you are to Rome and to the fullness of grace and truth entrusted to the Catholic Church, the closer you are to the true body of Christ. The farther you are from all things Roman Catholic, the farther you are from being in any sense a church. Well, this angered many people including a good many Roman Catholics. No one who attends First Baptist Church of Wichita wants to be told to change their name to First Baptist Ecclesial Community of Wichita on account of not being a true church after all. Insiders and outsiders. Who's in? Who's out? It is 
religion that has long been associated with making such distinctions. Historically, religious distinctions have led to a large amount of conflict. Catholics versus Protestants in Northern Ireland, Muslims versus Christians in the Crusades, Christians versus Jews in the Inquisition, and the list goes on. Lines get drawn in the name of God. Walls are built up even higher. And as a result, the idea that religion is mostly about love gets ever more difficult for some people to believe. In today's text, the line is drawn between Jews and Canaanites. To Jewish ears, the very word Canaanites smacked of all that was hostile to Israel. All that they, since the days of Joshua, were supposed to root out and stay clear of if they were to be faithful to God. But we will see even a Canaanite can be an important individual to the Messiah. Verse 21 tells us, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. In the previous verses, Jesus had been confronted by the Pharisees regarding the behavior of his disciples. They were not following the letter of the law. Now Jesus goes to what the Jews would consider to be pagan land, a spiritual wilderness. This was the kind of place good people did not visit. Most likely, the disciples were quite uneasy about following Jesus there. Sure enough, along comes some crazy, screaming Canaanite peasant woman. She runs right up to Jesus, crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Somehow this outsider knows more than the disciples. She does not just greet Jesus as some wandering healer. She recognizes him as the son of David. That is the rightful king and the Messiah. The disciples just recently recognized Jesus as the son of God, but they did not yet recognize Jesus as the Messiah. The woman has begged for mercy, and Jesus says nothing. The disciples take this as their cue and urge Jesus to get out of this awkward situation by telling her to leave. Jesus responds indirectly by saying, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. We do not know if she heard Jesus, but she kneels before him a position of worship and pleads, Lord, help me. And Jesus, who previously fed 5,000 and immediately after this scene feeds 4,000, Jesus, who is the bread of life, Jesus, who healed so many considered unworthy, this Jesus appears to be refusing to help her. He even adds, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Jesus calls her a dog. 
Interestingly, the woman does not protest about being equated to dog status. Rather, she picks up on the image with, okay, so I'm a dog. But even they get crumbs and leftovers from the master's table, don't they? Why did Jesus speak so harshly to this woman? Was he testing her faith? Was he showing her that in reality he came for everyone? Was he setting the scene to teach the disciples a lesson on stereotypes and prejudices? We do not know why Jesus responded the way he did. What we do know is that the Canaanite woman came with nothing to offer. No Jewish faith, no pedigree. She did not know or keep God's commandments. However, she came believing that Jesus was what she needed. She came with nothing but trust that he would give her what she needed. She came believing that Jesus was the hope, not just for Israel, but for the world. Jesus responds to the woman's pleas with, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Now, there are several lessons here. I would like to touch on three. First, let us remember that most of us cannot trace our ancestors back to the house of Israel. We are in the dog category. According to the law, we do not deserve to be noticed by the Messiah. However, the grace of God trumps law every time. By grace, we are granted not just a crumb, but a place at the master's table. Each week, we come to the Lord's table to be fed with mercy and forgiveness given by grace through the body and blood of Christ Jesus. Second, the scripture text challenges us to follow Jesus' example and being willing to offer the gospel to all people. Are you willing to allow your worship time and space to change in order to accommodate others wishing to come to the Lord? Remember, Jesus invites us to come as we are, not to change first to somehow be worthy to be in his presence. My friend's church offers an evening meal to the community on the same night that AA meets at their church, which is on the same night of their evening worship service. Some of the AA members stay for the dinner. Then a couple of them came into the worship service. A couple weeks later, they brought some of their friends. The flavor of the evening worship service has changed considerably now that 17 of the regular attendees are a mixture of older, heavily tattooed motorcycle gang members in leather and head rags and homeless men right off the street. The love of God needs to be available to all people. Are you willing to remain open to the people God sends your way? 
Are you willing to change everything if that's what it takes to be loving toward everyone you meet? As Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Are you willing to change everything if that's what it takes to be loving toward everyone we meet? Lastly, faith engenders persistence and persistence feeds faith. Through faith, we find the strength to wait upon the Lord. Sometimes God makes us wait for the answer to our prayer. And sometimes that wait seems oh so long for us. But faith gives us the strength and the trust to wait for God's timing, which is always the right time. And as we persist in our prayer requests, as we wait upon the Lord, our brothers and sisters in Christ wait with us and pray with us, and we see our faith grow. And persist we must, for our story is not yet finished. We continue to pray for the return of Jesus when we will know the fullness of his mercy when we, like the Canaanite woman's daughter, will know full healing. Until then, we live in faith and persist in prayer because that is where we find the peace that passes all understanding, the peace found only when our hearts and minds are set on Christ Jesus. Amen.